You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sobriety with me, Ari. Please, please don't go away. I, I've been loopy, I feel like, the past couple episodes. My sleep is just, my sleep patterns are so, so screwed up. I am waking up every hour now. Like, I, I don't know how I'm even having dreams. I'm having all these dreams and I'm remembering all these dreams. But I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I've, I've taken melatonin. It doesn't seem to help. I don't want to do Ambien because my mother did Ambien for years. I saw some things when she was on Ambien. My mother one time while on Ambien, because the thing with Ambien, it's a, it's a sleep aid. It's a I don't actually really know what it does, but if you do not go to sleep right away when you have taken Ambien, it almost acts like when you're like blacked out on alcohol because you do things that you do not remember at all the next day. So my mom one time was on Ambien, did not go to sleep, and I guess tried to order a monkey like as a pet. (laughs) like to be a part of our family I don't I don't think that's legal I don't think you're legally allowed to own a monkey but she woke up the next day and there were emails back and forth and she was literally about to give her credit card to like a monkey farmer I don't know a, a monkey breeder I don't know what they're called but to actually have a monkey shipped to us um needless to say my dad was like yeah we're gonna we're gonna take your phone when you take the Ambien and you're going to go to bed and you're going to go to sleep because I'm not trying to have a monkey just show up at our doorstep. What I really want to get done is I really want to do a sleep study. My mom has done one. Uh, my little sister has done one. I I, I just, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure that they're going to tell me anything other than like, may- maybe you need to exercise more and I don't know meditate before bed. I don't know really what they're going to tell me. I know my sleep hygiene needs some work. I know that I look at screens too much before bedtime and there's probably all of these things that they will suggest that it's like, yeah, do that and see what happens. But it's just been such a lifelong struggle, my sleep. And it just seems to be getting, it got better for a little bit and now it just seems to be getting worse and just the constant waking up. It's just, it's, it's so annoying and I'm just... I'm fatigued, but I'm not even just fatigued. I just sort of feel like uh, like not really in my body. I don't know. It's it's not so fun. I'm assuming part of it has to do with change. I feel like this is a year, you know, I'm 29. This is my last year before I turn 30. I think there have been a lot of good changes and positive changes and I can see sort of doors opening and avenues my life is going and um, just a lot of a lot of opportunities and changes that are very exciting and, and very good. But I'm someone who even when I know that it's good, even when it's exciting, I really struggle with change and it's very frightening to me. It's very scary. It makes me feel very unsafe. So I'm sure my my sleep stuff has, you know, my restlessness has somewhat to do with this idea that I have changes coming up in my life. Like, you know, even like places where I may live, opportunities I may take. I don't know, even like silly stuff like this podcast is exciting and I think about things I want to do with it and 
a future I'm creating for myself. And those ideas are all really exciting. But then when opportunities start showing up, I get I get so panicky. And so, you know what, maybe I just solved it. Maybe that's why I'm having trouble sleeping. <laughs> Some people are very energized by change. And I am very jealous of those people because I wish I wish I was spontaneous. I think that it sh- should come as no surprise that considering I've talked about being such an anxious child and an anxious adult and even though I'm probably my least anxious I've ever been right now that's still sort of my natural state and I'm just not someone who is immediately up for an adventure if there's an outing or a a social event I am not someone who can just all of a sudden show up or just, hey, there's a party. Let's go to it right now. I cannot do that. I need to know about it in advance. I need to get myself into the place for it. I need to visualize it. I need to think about it. I need to have planned my whole day around it. So therefore, I like my routine. I like to know what's happening. You know, it's even I remember even like with dating and stuff, even within relationships, like with my my boyfriends, if they said, hey, we got invited to this party tonight, let's go. I would feel like such a buzzkill because either I would be honest with myself and say, I I can't, I can't, I don't feel up to it, I don't wanna go. Or I would just kind of suck it up and go along. And, and I think a lot of times trying to self-medicate that social anxiety and, and, and be like, I wanna be someone who goes with the flow. I wanna be someone who can just show up to this party and go to the next party and, and just be around a bunch of people and not feel drained from it, not feel like I need to energetically prepare, then I would start drinking. And then I just never had my limits. And then, you know, this thing that I thought was going to make me more social and more fun, it's like then I end up blacking out and embarrassing myself and, and doing something stupid. So really, what I should have done is just stuck with my intuition and my gut, which was saying, you don't want to go to this. And that's okay. It's okay to say no, I would never stop someone from going. I would I I would always encourage people to go, but I I can't just jump into this plan. I need to have had it sort of laid out and yes, let's go to that party, but let's go to that party next Friday. I can't just do it in two hours from now. And the great thing about being sober now is that you know, I have to draw that boundary and I have to be comfortable with that boundary. And it is forcing me into being comfortable with boundaries because I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I think that maybe I might be triggered or maybe I I feel like there is my sobriety is at risk, let's say. Before I would go along with something because the option to drink was there. So even though I did not want to go to that party, I did not want to go to that social event, I I did not want to do whatever that thing was, I would go because I could go and I could drink and I could get drunk. And that's not on the table for me anymore. So now I really have to ask myself before a social event, do I want to go? Is this going to be worth my energy? Are these people I want to be around? And in some ways, that is actually really empowering because I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my energy. I'm going to go places where I feel good and I feel safe and I have fun and I'm with people I want to be with. And I'm not going to go just because I think I'm supposed to. I think that that's the cool, fun, spontaneous thing to do. If I'm being really honest with myself, I would usually prefer to just rewatch a TV show I've seen a thousand times than go to a party. I mean, that is one of my favorite things to do. My absolute favorite thing to do is to watch an entire series that I've seen before 
except for the finale. So I will get to the second to the last episode, stop, and then go back to the pilot. Does anybody else do that? I I even do it with shows that I'm not that connected to. It's like, oop, this is about to end, and I do not want this fun little fantasy world I escaped to to end, so let's just start over. I've sort of always been like this, but it definitely got worse during my first few months of sobriety, and I would just rewatch those same shows, but I think I just really needed the comfort of repeating something, because I was doing this new thing, sobriety, so I needed everything else around me to be sort of this repeating pattern. I, I'm not, I'm not good with change. I never have been. Even when I'm in a shitty situation, the idea of leaving it is very scary and the unknown just spikes my anxiety. When I went away to college, I cried in my dorm bed literally every night for probably three months. And I just remember being like, why did I do this? All I wanted was to be home and my childhood bed and my mom and the life I had known. Even though there I was at my dream college in my dream program with these super exciting opportunities around me. Like I remember the first week or so in film school, Tom Hanks would just walk around our film school's building. Like, what? I was just bumping elbows with Tom Hanks on my way to symposium. Like, I, But I couldn't even enjoy that first quarter because I was so wildly uncomfortable being out of my routine. Eventually, I loved it. And it's a moment you step back and you go, oh, that growth was really uncomfortable and it really hurt. But now I'm actually even happier and I'm more fulfilled than I was before. Some people just naturally crave excitement and adventure and they're just ready to dive into new scenarios. And I'm, je- I'm jealous of those people. That sounds like a great way to be. I'm just not like that. You know, I've got those five or six TV shows that I just rewatch from start to finish again and again and again. And even when there's some incredible new show that people are like, you're going to love this. You've got to watch it. It's so hard for me to want to switch my brain to enjoy that new thing especially if it's bedtime or I'm just hanging out alone. I self-soothe with what I'm familiar with, which is why drinking became so dangerous for me because I started associating it with just what I did in the evening, even back when I was living at home after college. I like to eat the same foods. I like to do the same things week to week. In a lot of ways, habits and routine are connected to safety, so it makes sense why these things are are so comforting to us. And for those of us with anxiety, they're even extra comforting. You know what? It is what it is. I'm a creature of habit. What are the shows that I like to rewatch the most? I rewatch Grey's Anatomy up until like, um, I re—I mean, I watch it way past the point of it being good, but I watch it up until like around the time, um, spoiler alert, Christina leaves and then I and then I'll just start it back over again. That show has that show has been on for 50 years. And for those of you that are still on board, blessings upon you. I love to rewatch The O.C. It's kind of sad, though, because it's only four seasons, and that's one of the greatest American tragedies of all time. The fact that Gossip Girl was on twice as long as The O.C. is honestly an affront to humanity. Gossip Girl was fine, but The O.C. was a goddamn treasure. Let's see. Um, Desperate Housewives, of course. Love to rewatch that. It's a That's a fun rewatch, especially if you enjoy, like, a soapy campy show. Uh, I recently rewatched um, Ugly Betty and I gave that a couple rewatches. And then of course, you know, you've got your friends, you've got your Arrested Development. When I am feeling kind of like a piece of shit and I want to feel um, seen, I'll watch BoJack. Um, I think that's about, those are the main core. Oh my god, Buffy. Duh! Of course Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that should go without saying. Um, but I think those are like the core shows that I tend to rewatch over and over and over again. 
Well, on that note, it is time for It's something that made me happy this week It's my pink cloud of sobriety Well, yesterday, I pet a dog And the dog was so excited to see me I didn't know this dog, you know, I was walking down the street And the dog was wagging its tail at me and, you know we're wearing our masks and I know it, in the beginning it was it was super weird with the pandemic because it's like I naturally just my go-to is to be like can I pet your dog like I would never pet someone's dog without asking but you know if someone's walking their dog and, the, and we cross paths and the dog seems excited to see me and and they don't seem like they're rushing to get somewhere I'll usually be like oh can I say hello but during the pandemic it was like well I probably shouldn't be touching people's dogs and that was like that was that was painful for me to be walking down the street and just see a dog and just be like I have to cross the street and I cannot say hello um but you know now we're people are getting vaccinated we're moving into whatever green yellow purple you know now they say that vaccinated people don't even have to wear masks I still wear a mask because you know I just I don't want I don't want other people to feel uncomfortable. They don't know that I'm vaccinated. Honestly, I'm kind of into masks, especially as flu season comes around. I kind of feel like we should just start wearing them in in the wintertime, to be quite honest with you. But anyway, I'm walking down the street and there's a super cute pit bull kind of wagging her tail. She's excited to see me. So, you know, I ask, I say, oh, can I say hello? So I'm petting her and we just get to talking. And and the owner is like, you know, she's normally really shy and she she's she's a rescue and she's kind of skittish around people. She normally doesn't react this this way with people. And she was like wagging her tail and like smiling at me and giving me love. Maybe this dog and I were friends in a previous life because right away there we had that connection, just friendship right there, a connection that that's that's it that's my whole pink cloud it was just really nice to have attention from a dog and for it to be a dog that like normally is like skittish and scared and instead was just like so excited to love on me and I loved on her back so I just hope I run into that dog again well everyone thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you have I hope you have just an absolutely fantastic day or night or afternoon all right everyone we'll talk next week bye